Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Life After Beth. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. It's a spooky time of year. I kind of tailed off there. I don't know if that sounded like I was haunting or just kind of, just, you know, letting it all out. Simply having a spooky Halloween time. Nice. The party's on. We're bobbing for <laughs> apples. <laughs> or uh, it's the most spooky time of the year. I bet you we could actually make a really good album if we had the time, if we didn't have jobs and stuff and like could just afford to sit around and make nonsense projects. Like we could make a really good album of like Christmas songs reworked to be Halloween songs, all the Christmas classics. I um would very much be keen to if I won the lottery do stuff like that. Yeah. Um I would just um I would, lots of people go, oh, well, if you won the lottery, you'd get so bored, you wouldn't have anything to do. It's like, I would just work on every single nonsense idea that comes into my head. Yeah. We could genuinely make all the silly films that we come up with. Like, for us, (laughs) winning the lottery would be the greatest thing to ever happen in terms of the content that we would then have time and money to produce for the rest of the world. Yeah, if I won Euro Millions then that would then make all of our dreams a reality. All of the awful, awful ideas we've had over the years of things. Yeah, Big Boys Productions would become a a real thing. Yep, exactly, exactly. Starting with sensations. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. (laughs) any new listeners, we've just hit 300 episodes. This is episode episode 301. Yeah. Callbacks to, I think Sensations was in the first five episodes. We came. So I up think with, that's episode one. I is think. it actually in episode one? That's amazing. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, there's deep lore of us making up nonsense films. I think the best one is still Wizard Cop. Yeah, the that's cop still my favorite. Also, a wizard <laughs> played by Adam Driver. <laughs> yeah, it would be the greatest movie of all time. So yeah. yeah, we I think Wizard Cop would be our magnum opus. If we if we did win the Euro Millions, we would have to find a way to make Wizard Cop a reality. Yeah, we'll just keep pestering Adam Driver until he agrees to it. We can't do it with anyone else. <laughs> no. The law of this podcast states that Adam Driver that's both the law L A W and the law L O R E <laughs> states that Adam Driver has to be He'd on Wizard have Cop. To, and I reckon Adam Driver would be keen to play a wizard who's also a cop. I think he'd be yeah. down for it. He was in that Science Man Dinosaur Hunter film that I exactly. watched on the plane. If he's going to be in Dinosaur Hunter Adam Driver, surely he's also <clears> going <throat> to be in Wizard Cop Adam Driver. He's got to be down yeah. for it. And if not, we're just going to be hassling him every day until it's like that meme of, you know, where he's hitting the wall in Marriage Story and it says, every day I wake up and there's another email from Big Boys. <laughs> and there's two Big Boys trying to get me to star in their movie. Um, yeah. yeah. 
So I think the clip of that is on our SoundCloud somewhere, along with Opposite Day and Sensations. There are others where I hadn't extracted the clip, like Lit Men. <laughs> Which was our take on Little Women. But for the you can't spell movie. little women without lit men. Exactly. So go back and listen um, to that episode. Yes. <laughs> but you know what Wizard Cop would have sorted out? Would have sorted out a sudden zombie apocalypse in a heartbeat. He'd have known what was going on. This is like Wizard Cop 4, zombies come to town. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, once the franchise takes off, we can do a zombie take on it, right? We'll do, we'll do all of them, all of them, yeah. <clears throat> Every single aspect of, of horror and of magic we can eventually cover with Wizard Cop. There's layers. Yeah. He contains multitudes of <laughs> character. He's an onion, Wizard Cop. <laughs> just like Shrek. Just, just like Shrek. Um, so that leads us into this week's film. It is the beginning of our speaky season, so we are going through um, romantic horror movies for the next as few we always do weeks, as we always do every year. We go through the romantic horror movies, and our first movie this time around is Life After Beth. Good name, yeah. And this is not at all what I thought it was. I remember seeing a poster for it around the time it came out and thinking it looked um, quite goofy and silly and thinking that's a, a film that has a really good title that it surely can't live up to. And okay, yeah, Aubrey Plaza is good and I like her. I don't think I knew much of Dane DeHaan at the time. But I was like, this looks like a really goofy film and I'm not going to see it and it's going to be bad and like silly and low, low quality. And I don't know why I thought that. And I think maybe in my head I actually confused it with warm bodies, which is not that either. Um, but I think maybe came out and around the same time and had a similar kind of vibe. Yeah, 2013. And we talked about that last year or the year before or the year before that. <laughs> at I some point remember. we talked about warm bodies, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, when you look at the poster and when you look at the trailer and everything like that, um, this seems at the surface level to be a goofy comedy about almost quite slapsticky about a, a a guy whose girlfriend comes back to life as a zombie um but actually it's not that and i think the moment that it started and i realized it was an a24 film i thought this is going to go somewhere <laughs> this is going to do something odd i was going to say exactly the same thing i didn't realize that this film was directed by a24 yeah no i didn't realize that it was a, it was one of their productions um but it it's it's got that it's maybe a bit sillier than a lot of A24 movies in places, but there is this weirdness to it and this deadpan element to it. And then it builds into this almost emotional uh, core as well. Um, and so, yeah, it does. It does. It's an interesting movie. Did you enjoy it? I did. I really enjoyed yeah. it. I thought it was great. And um, it definitely very much, as you say, had that A24 vibe where it's like, Things are a little bit slow, but pacey when they need to be. It's very, very atmospheric, but still retains the goof factor. It has a sense of humour, but knows when to deploy it. There are all of all of these things that you'd expect from an A24 production. Yes, yeah. Um, and that's not us trying... I, I jest about the whole director by A24, because <laughs> that is a thing that people kind of imply. And they're not all no, the same. No. But I think you, you still get that vibe don't you and it still means something to have that at the beginning of the film yeah it's, it's one of those things where they've got quite a cohesive idea and obviously a24 isn't responsible for these movies because it is down to the creators they are simply the company that 
produces and distributes stuff. Yeah. But I wonder if at this point, like, I mean, now, the films that A24 are making in the last few years, that mythos has become powerful enough that if you're directing an A24 film, you feel that a little bit. And you must do, right? Yeah, I think they've got enough clout behind them, a bit like Annapurna, who have a similar sort of vibe, um, that they sort of... People know what to expect from an A24 film now. Yeah. Um, or Merchant Ivory back in the day. And it's a... Uh, it's an interesting they've released some really interesting stuff or developed some interesting stuff with these creators this came out the same year as under the skin um which is a great experimental under the skin <laughs> it does not under very much skin. like that have uh, you I've have you seen, seen under the skin no what's that um so it is um it's based on a very odd experimental science fiction book about an alien that comes to earth to um to basically abduct and prey on people. And so Scarlett Johansson is this alien who preys on people in Scotland, these men in Scotland, and basically okay. lures them into her car. Um, it's implied that they're horny, and then um, she lures them into a um, into the ship. It, it, but it's very sort of artistically done, and then they get crushed, basically. And that happens like three times. Uh, <laughs> it's a very it's a very <laughs> okay. it's a very weird but very cool film it's well worth watching it's deeply uncomfortable um it came out the same year as enemy which is where it's a denny villeneuve film our, our favorite man denny villeneuve um who right. did um uh, sicario prisoners arrival blade runner 2049 um and then of course june and and june part two um, and he made this weird little movie where Jake Gyllenhaal comes across a doppelganger, right? Okay, and uh, and uh, there's there's doppelganger stuff going on. Um, it came out the same year as Locke, which is a man. Uh, it is um, oh, what's he called? Tom Hardy shouting on a phone in a car for twenty minutes. That's literally <laughs> it. It's him talking in a car uh, on I'd the phone. That. It's really good. <laughs> um, so they did all of these different weird movies that year. Um, and it's this. This feels like the most light-hearted, maybe, out of those. Um, but it's still got that kind of pretentiousy, but not in a bad way vibe, doesn't it? It's yeah. got a sort of heart to it. Absolutely, I, I think it's trying to be clever, but it's not trying too hard at all. I mean, at its eye, it is trying to make a, a silly zombie film, but it's trying to put a fun twist on it. And I don't. I think the the reason it really works is it doesn't try too hard, does it? No, no. Um, and so Which I think is a criticism is, that people often um, throw at these kind of films, isn't it? Yeah, people who are boring and who only watch Marvel movies, they throw those kind of criticisms at yeah, yeah. films. I'm so, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't I'm, like it because it's not got men flying and punching there's people. N- there's no cape man. Meh. It made me think. Meh. No time for that nonsense. I am you don't to have to have seen 20 other films to understand it and yet still somehow where's, where's not have a Where's the wider lore of Midsummer? I want to watch 20 more Midsummer movies that fully explain everything in the Midsummer cinematic universe. You mean Midsummer? I, I want to go down to McDonald's and get a Midsummer action figure with my Happy Meal. Um. <laughs> hey, it's Pokemon Happy Meals right now. Is it Pokemon? Yeah, Excellent. yeah. We haven't what you, been. What, have you not been? Do, does no, uh, does your young man it. like um, like um, McDonald's? I don't think we've ever been. 
Oh. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not like some uptime parent. Like, oh, well, I would never give my child a McDonald's. No, I'm not opposed <laughs> to it. I just think it's never come up. There isn't one near us, really. Right, okay. But, yeah, but we might make a special trip to get the little Pikachu Go get some Pokemon stuff, yeah. Whatever, yeah. whatever it is that you get. Um, but, yeah, so, th- so this movie um, is Dane DeHaan and Aubrey Plaza. Friend of, um, friends of the podcast. We've Have we discussed an Aubrey Plaza film before? I feel like we must have done, but off the top of my head, I can't think. Yeah, I can't think of one. I'm going to peruse her. Have we talked about Safety Not Guaranteed? Because if not, we should talk about Safety Not Guaranteed. I don't think we have, but I love that film. It's a very good film. We should talk about that. And then we could also talk about Ingrid Goes West, which is a really good movie about um, influencer culture. Um, She's done some really, really amazing stuff. She was in the Child's Play movie that came out the other year, which was all right. Um, but I like I like her a lot. I think she's very good, and in this, she's very good as someone who becomes more zombie as it goes on. Um, yeah, and I I think she's like the comedic center, but also the horror center of the movie at the same time, which is a really interesting balance to make. But she does a really great job of it. Um. And so, yeah, she, she's really impressive. We've got Dane DeHaan, who we have definitely talked about on this podcast before. Um, yeah. Our, fav- our favourite little skinny man. Um, skinny and- bone bag from Valerian and the City of a Thousand yes, Planets. exactly. Luke Besson's <laughs> magnum opus. We talked about him in Valerian, which is a great movie that everybody should watch. Generally um, a brilliant film. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed film. it. It should have done better. I, I really enjoyed that film. Um but basically what happens is they go on some hijinks. You've got a really great supporting cast, including John C. Riley and Molly Shannon as Beth's parents, um, Cheryl Hines and Paul Reiser as uh, Dane DeHaan's parents. I've forgotten his character name. <laughs> we'll call him Dane DeHaan. Um, you've got Matthew Gray Goobler. We've got a we we've got a we've got a carryover from the Chipmunks movies in this. <laughs> I did not think that was going to happen. No, I didn't think there'd be anything in common between uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Road Chip, and uh, and 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 the beginning of Horror Month. But here we go. He was in this. I didn't realise. Not that you'd have known he was in any of the Alvin and the Chipmunks films, because no, because the voices are chipmunked, so it could be literally anyone. He's a chipmunk. Um, shout out to Paul Reiser, by the way, as the dad. We love Paul Reiser. Um, plays the true villain of Aliens, not the aliens themselves, but the evil corporate guy. Um, brilliant, love him. Um, but yeah, everyone does a great job in this. The whole cast is amazing. You've got Anna Kendrick out of nowhere, just like I know, a relatively small role as well. Um, She's in like two scenes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a it's a great little cast, and the the way that the this film is about a sort of zombie apocalypse thing going on, um, but in a very very focused way, where it basically just looks at one fat, well, two families through the eyes of one person, and it's really nice that they did it that way. It keeps it really small and contained. I guess in the same way that. Shaun of the Dead does as well, where Shaun of the Dead is very much about that small cast of characters in a very small contained space as well, um, which is which is really quite refreshing. Um, Shaun of the Dead. Do it that way. We haven't talked about that, have we? It's <clears throat> obviously it's, it's beloved by British people and beloved by idiots, but it is a good film. 
And I just love that Peter <laughs> Serafinowicz is in it, in an iconic performance going, the front door is open again, and then he gets eaten, which is, spoiler <laughs> yes. alert for Shaun of the Dead, but yeah, iconic performance. I, just I love Shaun guy. of the Dead, and I love Hot Fuzz as well. Hot Fuzz is just a wonderful film. Not too keen on the third one. Um, What's the third one? Uh, I forget, the World's End. The World's you End. No, I've never seen it. It's all right. It's a bit. Mm, it's no. It's not as funny as the other two, and it's got a lot of overly long action scenes in it. And it's right. just the pacing feels quite weird. There's some weird character dynamics going on where the the female lead, um, played by um, oh gosh. Um, the, the the woman from Gone Girl, the actor from Gone Girl. Rosamund Pike? Rosamund Pike. Oh. Keeps getting knocked out and then having to be rescued or like getting right. knocked out in the middle of fight scenes. And it's just like, why are you not giving the woman anything to do in this movie? It just feels a bit odd. I think you mean Rosamund Pike, who plays the main character in The Wheel of Time. Yeah. I need to watch more than one episode of that. It was good. Well, season was... two's on now and it's getting really good. Because they basically the first season basically follows all of book one, and then in season two they're like, we don't know how long we're going to be able to do this, so we're going to pull a bunch of random stuff from books two through six and just throw it all together, and it's awesome. And it actually having really only works. read the first two, I'll just and barely remembering either of them, it will make no difference to me <laughs> what they do. Yeah, um, I think I'd actually yeah really recommend it. Like season two is really hotting up. You still should watch season one to understand all the stuff, but it's really hotting up. The performances are great, and she's brilliant in it. She's absolutely I think, spot on. I think my issue with it was that everything looks so clean and tidy, and <laughs> everyone looks so like handsome. And so like, this is meant to be like a weird little grubby fantasy world. Why does everyone look so pristine? It's just it. it it's not when it, you get it down got, to it. Yeah, it got to me the first episode. Um, but I, yeah, I need to go back and watch it because I did like the first book and the second book I remember liking too. Um, I highly yeah. recommend it. Um, but yeah, no, so um, I've forgotten how we got onto this. Oh, we were talking about the third, the third Pike. Hot Fuzz movie. Um, <laughs> Hot, Hot Fuzz, Fuzz 3. three. <laughs> no, it's Hot Fuzz 2. You've got Hot Fuzz 0. Too Hot, Too Fuzz. Then you've got Hot Fuzz and then you've got Hot Fuzz 2. That's what, that's what yeah. they are. Um, but but there's no Rosamund Pike in Life After Beth. But the cast itself is amazing. I think they're all really good. Fantastic um, cast. And yeah, it's, it's, it's this really nice self-contained story about the zombie apocalypse put through the lens of a relationship. It's just quite a... And, and then the way that it slowly shifts it. So a lot of what you expect is going to happen in this movie happens in the first half hour, I think. So at yeah. that point, you've got she's dead she comes back to life um they reconcile but then they realize something's wrong and she's got like super strength and she sets fire to things and she starts screaming and everything like that and you think oh okay this is where it's going to go and it's going to escalate from here but actually it doesn't necessarily escalate in the way that you expect when you've watched the trailer instead it really deviates and you get these little hints like the there's a postman who turns up who Dane DeHaan's character hasn't seen yeah. in like two years and is like, oh, what happened to you? And then the postman hands over a load of mail that's not theirs and then like drives off knocking over um, letterboxes on his way. And you're like... Postman Jerry from Parks and Recreation. There's a million Parks and Rec things in here, which I think 
I was meant to get if I'd ever watched Parks and Rec. Um, I had a look through the trivia, yeah. and it's just like, oh, this is a reference to Parks and Recreation. I'm just like, I do not care. I've never watched that show. I'm probably never going to watch it, particularly now that particularly now good. that it's got the guy in it who's really irritating, uh, Chris Christopher Pratt, Rob Lowe. Oh yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, and he's and not. It's like he's over not too a, bad. It's over a hundred episodes long. Yeah, a long. I do not time have ago. time to watch a show that's a hundred episodes long. That's not been on air for nearly he's, a decade. He's Christopher Pratt before he was Christopher he's Pratt in this. Christopher Pratt. It's, so it's acceptable. It does have Paul Schneider in it, who I like. He's in some episodes and he's very yeah. nice. But yeah, I'm never going to watch Parks and Recreation. I'm sorry. I know I should. And Nick Offerman. Yeah, but for me, Nick Offerman is just the guy from Devs now. And that, w- and that <laughs> one episode that. of um, the best episode of The Last of Us. Um, did, did you watch The Last of Us? No, it was. It's been critically acclaimed, and everyone loves it. Therefore, I'm not going to watch it. It's good. It's a seven out of ten TV show. <laughs> right. It's. Should I play the game instead? I'd I'd recommend playing the game instead. Apart from, I think the game is only on PlayStation consoles, so you're never going to play right, the game okay. either. Um, the game is better. No. The problem with The Last of Us TV show is that they only really deviate properly from the game in one episode which is the nick offerman one and that is by far the best episode of the show it's one it's one of if not the best episodes of television i've ever seen in my life and actually it's so standalone that i recommend you go off and watch it even if you don't watch the rest of the show because actually you can just enjoy it on its own form okay um genuinely might be the best episode of tv ever made however after that it nothing else has the same punch (laughs) Yeah, and um, I know it's a this is this is a, a a small brain man comment, but it's a zombie show and there's not enough zombies in it. But actually, there, uh, actually there aren't enough zombies in it. It is a zombie show that doesn't have enough zombies. <laughs> and what that means is because they don't put in the way that they've done it is that they've connected all of the emotional core moments of the game but without the bits between the emotional core moments, which are the really scary parts where there's zombies everywhere, or the dull bits where you're gathering resources, which then works as a peak and trough between the horror and between the emotional tension. So the way that the game is structured is really, really well done and the pacing is excellent. But for the TV show, they stripped it all out. It's not enough episodes. And essentially what happens is nothing the stakes don't feel as high because you don't come across zombies enough for them to feel like a threat you don't feel as though they're struggling to have resources so instead you just get these pockets of these two people in a mainly deserted world coming across other human beings it's like well i mean it's okay but it just feels like a lesser version of the road so it's still a very good tv show and i I, like i said i'd give it a seven out of ten if we're going to put an arbitrary score on things but it's not as good as everyone made it out to be, and the game is better. And I'm really looking forward to series two because video game, the fans of the video game lost their shit when the second game came out because there's a big twist that they all hate. And TV audiences are going to do exactly the same, if not even worse, because the character involved is someone who is even more beloved by the TV audiences than they were by the video game audiences. So I am thoroughly looking forward to that horrific backlash as and when that comes about. 
because it's going to be an absolute disaster. Um, so hold on to your butts with that one. You're not even going to escape the capital D discourse that comes out of it, Paddy, having never watched the show. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be incredible. Um, but yeah, w- watch the Nick Offerman episode of The Last of Us, even if you don't watch the rest. Or watch the first few okay. episodes up to that one. Because um, it is really, I'll really do that good. when Wheel of Time finishes. There's like three, two or three more to come in this season. Have they done magic? Do they? Do they? Have they fought the big? They're like weird troll people, aren't they? The enemies, the Trollocs. Yeah, weird troll people. Which is they're, a silly name that rhymes with bollocks, which tells you that Robert Jordan is an American writer and not a British one. <laughs> I love it when that happens. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, they're they're bit they're like sort of trolly people with like boar heads and like yeah. They're just, they're just like, like hench guys. They're, they're, they're not important <laughs> they just, to any of it. They really. spend a lot they're of time down the gym and then they go and yeah. ravage a village. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, they're in like the first episode. Um, any, anyway. Yeah. No, they've done so much magic. <laughs> anyway, getting back to this actual film that we should be talking about instead of everything else. Um, I think... Yes, yeah, so you talked about the pacing. The pacing is just brilliant. I, I This is one of the best paced films I've ever seen, I think. Because as you say, it emerges slowly and it, it's not necessarily surprising where it goes, but it's so well paced that it feels like a surprise, even though you expect mm. there to be some kind of zombie apocalypse and then there kind of is, but it doesn't show it on a grand scale. No, it's very, very personal in the way that it handles the um, the scale of the apocalypse, isn't it? So it's, yeah. you see like um, the other people coming back from the death, uh, but only two or three. Uh, you hear sirens and you hear gunshots and you catch snippets of things on the television. But that's about it. And then suddenly everything's gone very, very wrong. And it's just so... It's so well done, I think. It's a really clever way of doing it. And if you think about it, that's kind of how it would be, isn't it? If that kind of thing happened. Because you would still be in your bubble, right? Until... The scale of it is genuinely so great that there is a fire on top of your house or whatever, or there are a hundred zombies in your street knocking on your door. You'd still kind of be in your bubble, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's very clear, it's made very clear from this that the actual roots of the zombie apocalypse aren't given. Um, They make a joke about basically joking around um, implicit bias and racism a few times where our main character keeps suggesting that someone Haitian who they knew was behind the zombie apocalypse and he keeps getting called out (laughs) on that racism time and time again, which is, I I quite liked that, that he did get, keep getting, getting called out on that. Um, But it's very clear that this is a proper old fashioned zombie coming back from the dead, pulling themselves out of the graves rather than like a virus, which is infecting other people. So you wouldn't get that snowball effect of a zombie apocalypse that you see in things like The Walking Dead, for instance. Um, instead, it is, here's some specific people that have come back from the dead, and then that's it. So again, it, it helps that it doesn't have this massive apocalyptic feel, because actually, it is rather smaller scale than that. Yeah, and that's that's why it works. Because, you, you know, you could say, you could turn around and say, well, it's not actually about zombies, is it? It's about parental relationships and how to grow up and stuff. Yeah, every zombie movie has got other themes going on. That's one of the joys of a zombie movie. You look at you look at um, Night, Dawn, Day, the Romero trilogy, 
Um, all of them are about other things. The second one is like so heavily weighted about capitalism and class and identity. Zombie movies have always been this really great way to have a lens into another theme. And here it is about uh, it's about loss and it's about family and it's about connection. And it does it really well, I think, the way that it sort of ties those things together. Yeah, to me... It was about parental relationships, I thought, and about that that kind of weird relationship that you have with a partner's parents, right? And then the the directions that that can go in and sort of how that can affect you growing and your relationship with other people growing. I thought it was a very, very smart look at that. Yes, yeah, it has a really good look at that. Um, The way particularly that Dane DeHaan's character interacts with John C. Riley, Beth's dad, They've got a really interesting dynamic going on, and I think that really taps into that kind of connection piece. But equally, there's there's a really good overview of grief and um, and that worry about the things that you didn't have a chance to do with somebody. Yeah, and the way that it ties into that, particularly as it goes on, um, like the finale is very much about that, about how how can you recognise. They basically they've been given this additional time with Beth, and although she's not really Beth in the same way as they knew her, the living characters all think about it in that way, yeah. and it's really interesting the way that all of the different people that know her, um, and you see the same thing with um, with Dane DeHaan's parents, where one of their parents comes back to life. And even though they know that this is a zombie situation, they still want to spend time with them to have a chat and talk to them. And clearly yeah. it's about, okay, well, here's all of the things that we didn't have a chance to do before you died that now we have an opportunity to try and do again. And it that was a really interesting way to look at it, actually, because oftentimes when you look at things like this, it's immediately brainless zombo mode. And yeah. it's... Here nice the zombies that they run away, run away, run away. <laughs> exactly. Um, whereas here, and um, there's that TV show, The Revenants, as well, isn't there? Which has a similar kind of situation where people come back from the dead, and then it's about okay, well, how do the people that survived them recognize this change, and what do they do with this time that they have with people? And it's a, it's a clever idea, I think, to explore, and I think they do that quite well here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that idea of second chances, isn't it? Like, what would you actually yeah. do if you got that second chance? You'd still want to take it, despite how, what, whatever the kind of fucked up backdrop it would have to be against. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's, um, and yeah, so it's, it's done in a really, a really good way. Um, I just wish that, I kind of wish they went more down the pretentious A24 route, though. Yeah. That's... <laughs> You wanted there to be really, really long scenes of just clanging music and them just standing on a cliff somewhere while they go hiking. (laughs) You know all those those bits in The Green Knight where it has like a title card and it's just him standing there and some words pop up and it goes, burp! You wanted to be like that. (laughs) I want Dane DeHaan standing there in his black jeans and black t-shirt looking sad. With 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 ambient music playing over the top of it. No, I just I just like those themes to be explored a little bit more here and there, because um, this movie is less than ninety minutes long. Yeah, it's quite a short film. I think it it's does a good feel very it packs a lot in. Yeah, it does feel very well paced. I just think they could have maybe done more with those kind of thematic elements here and there. Yeah, I just yeah I would I would have liked a little bit more of that 
and less of um less of the deception element that comes in in the early stages which i feel gets a little bit tiresome where first you've got beth's parents trying to hide that she's come back from the dead from dane dehan and then you've got dane dehan and the parents both trying to hide her from the rest of the outside world and trying to pretend that she's not come back and that kind of trickles on for a little bit too long and i think maybe if they'd done the reveal to beth that she did die earlier that could have given them more room to explore those themes a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. They could have done a, had a bit more John C. Riley time, I think, a bit more parent time, because a lot of a lot of the time it's like it could be exploring that, but instead here's Dane DeHaan being exasperated again, and it's like that's good and that is funny, <laughs> but yeah, it's, He's it very focuses good a lot on his exasperation. <laughs> In fact, that's a very good thing that he does in general because I see a, a movie I like quite a lot is um, A Cure for Wellness, um, which is a very fun... Well, I don't know if fun is the right word for it, but it's a very fun sort of like kind of horror mystery, I guess, uh, directed by Gore Verbinski, um, oh, right. who we know from Pirates Gore of the Caribbean Pichinsky. and everything like that. Um, and um, And it's a... It's an interesting movie where he's a he's an he's an executive at a company and their CEO is in this really mysterious wellness center in the middle of nowhere and he's sent to go and collect him and bring him back. And basically a lot of the movie is him being like, Why won't anybody tell me what the hell is going on? <laughs> What's going on? And it's just him being exasperated and confused and terrified for two hours. It's great. Um also starring Mia Goth um and Jason Isaacs. So oh, perfect. you know it's gonna be good when you've got them in. Anything with Mia Goth in is is always gonna be worth watching, I think. And Jason um, Isaacs, I love him. In fact, we should watch I think we can probably we can probably bring it into this podcast if not you should watch them anyway not with the family around um she's in a pair of really great horror movies called x and pearl um the first one's about a bunch of people who go to make an adult movie on a texas farm and bad things happen and it feels like a mixture in fact i think it might also be an a24 movie (laughs) um it feels like a mixture of like a classic slasher but also looking at um looking at depictions of sex and violence so it's got all of these quite clever themes going on and then they made a prequel immediately off the back of it so basically at the same time um with with mia goth as playing as one of the, the the younger version of one of the old people who runs the farm and it's really yeah it's really cleverly done they're a pair of great movies um and then she's also in infinity pool which you know I'm a fan of David Cronenberg. Yeah. Um, possibly my favourite director. Did you know his son also makes really good movies? No, I did not. In fact, did we watch Antiviral one year for this? I don't or did, think we or did. Or have I just told you about it too many times? I think you've told me about it before, but <laughs> not even too many times. Tell me about it again. So, so Brandon Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son, has made three incredible psychological body horror movies firstly you've got antiviral which is set in the future where um there's an industry of people who sell the diseases that celebrities get so let's say for instance um taylor swift catches a cold these people will go along take a sample of that cold 
and then sell that cold to her fans so they have the same cold as Taylor Swift. Right. Horrible idea. You could 100% see it happening one day. Horrible, very awesome idea for a film. (laughs) Yes. Um, He then made Possessor, which is a wonderful, horrible movie. Really shockingly horrible movie, but very, very good. Where um, basically in the future... Uh, there's this organization that um, they can use brain implants to take over somebody else and use them to assassinate somebody. Right. Um, But for one of these assassins, something goes a bit wrong and weird with one of the targets that she's going after. Um, And it's a great movie, one of the best horror movies and one of the best sci-fi movies of the last few years. Um, And then finally... This year, in fact, or maybe the tail end of last year, um, he released a movie called Infinity Pool, which has Alexander Skarsgård, our favourite big boy, um, and Mia Goth in it. And it's about this guy who goes on vacation to this made-up country um, where it turns out that if you're responsible for someone's death or a crime, uh, the the punishment is capital punishment, whatever it is. But what you can do is pay a fine and they make a clone of you and the clone gets killed instead. But you've got to watch the clone getting murdered. Is that made-up country called Aldovia? (laughs) Yes, exactly. It is actually a prequel to um, the uh, Christmas Prince movies. I knew it. I knew I'd heard about this before somewhere. Um and it's really weird, uh, really strange movie. But again, it ties into all of these quite horrible ideas of decadence and and uh, how wealth ties into the ability to commit violence on people and violence on a structural level. It's a very clever movie. That sounds uh, really yeah, good. So he, he's, he's made these three amazing movies. Um, but yeah, Mia Goth is in Infinity Pool. That's how we got onto this. But yeah, people who are listening and you, Paddy, uh, go and watch all of the Brandon Cronenberg films. They're all great. I will. Um, there's an ama- there's an amazing scene in Infinity Pool where Mia Goth is like she's lying on the front of a car with a gun in one hand and a bottle in the other and it's like oh shit I've spilt my chardonnay or something <laughs> like that. It's fantastic. Um yeah, brilliant movies. Um how on earth did we get on to talking about this? I cannot remember. I've got no a, idea. A lovely tangent again. This has been a tangent filled episode. Um but life after Beth is good. I liked it. It's good. There's a um <clears throat> a scene when she's kind of just starting to sort of lose it a bit. It's only it's maybe like twenty five minutes in before things start to get horrible. Um they're like on a beach at night and he gets out his guitar and starts singing to her and she's like, The song sucks and the way that she says it is <laughs> honestly the funniest thing ever because they've been all like kind of loved up and it's like it's clear that they really love each other and then suddenly out of nowhere she's just like this is horrible. What are you doing when he's trying to sing to her? In a way that, like, you know that a lot of people think when a guy gets a guitar out, but, like, that nobody ever says. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. They do drop a few ableist slurs in this movie, and yeah. I'm not sure how much of that was deliberately trying to be, sh- like, make you think of the character as, like, reverting to some kind of primal form of herself and how much of it was just them throwing around ableist slurs because they thought it was funny it's a fine line isn't it um but but yeah those those scenes are the the scenes where she does sort of like react 
differently to how you expect are really well done um and and that leads to a really interesting through road in the movie where slow jazz is playing yes. and that seems to calm the zombies and the zombies seem to like slow jazz which is a great little mechanic to include and then when you hear it in places you're like oh that's been there must be a zombie nearby because someone's decided to put that music on instead. And it's, yeah, which leads us onto the well, the score, which is just fantastic, isn't it? It's really, really good, really on point. The smooth jazz stuff works really well, but the rest of it is good. The atmospheric stuff is good, but not overdone. And it says here that the music was by Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, which I didn't realise. Yes, yeah, one of my favourite bands, and I never knew they did music to this movie. Um, but yeah, no, it's really great. The atmospheric element works really well. And then, like you said, the slow jazzy stuff also ties in really well. And you get this nice clash between the two. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really well done. And it's such a it's not necessarily the kind of score that you'd expect from a movie like this, but it works very well, doesn't it? Yeah, it works really, really well. And it helps to make it a bit different, doesn't it? And not not to be as it said, it it helps it to do the thing it does where where it has that kind of serious take on it it has that it is a bit clever but also has a goof factor as well and the music kind of holds those things in place i think it's really really good yeah absolutely um so we should maybe talk about how critics weren't too fond of this movie oh no and i i see here budget 2.4 million box office 274,717 so that's a pretty good effort for that kind of budget yeah, so that's the thing is it had a really small budget and I wonder if it only had a really limited box office release, which is why that's so small. Because on that kind of low budget, you'd expect more than that. So I I imagine it maybe was given a limited release and then um, expanded to home release or on demand instead to cover off quite a lot of that yeah. instead. I remember seeing posters for it, but... Um, and I've I've seen it mentioned around and everything like that, but but yeah, critics weren't as fond of it. It was quite divisive. Um, quite a few places did not like it very much at all. Um, the Washington Post described it as a tiresome exercise in the way overworked zombie genre, and I wonder how much of that is to do with the fact that this came out in 2014 when zombie stuff was everywhere. Whereas maybe if it came out yeah. now when that saturation is a bit smaller. Um, it maybe would have been received a little bit better. Um, famously, um, yeah, it got some relatively negative reviews from people, but Mark Kermode liked it. And generally, Mark Kermode's got a pretty good gauge on movies. I always find... if He's usually pretty, he's, pretty on it. He ties yeah. in pretty well with the stuff that I like. So generally, if I see that Mark Kermode likes something, I'm probably going to like it. Not always 100%. I was looking to see if Peter Bradshaw had reviewed it and it was Mark Kermode instead (laughs) for The Guardian. So that's a good thing. There we go. There we go. Um, Yeah, uh, The Guardian's Jordan Hoffman said that it was a frustrating affair due to its waste of resources, which I think is a bit unfair as well. Um, But some places did enjoy it. Um, Variety liked it. The Hollywood Reporter liked it. Empire liked it. But it was very divisive. So it only comes out with a 5 out of 10 on average from critical reviews. Um, Right, okay. Which I think is a bit unfair. I I bet you, as you say, if it came out now, we're at the point now where everyone thinks films are directed by A24, it would be like roundly loved across the You'd have all of those critics wearing fancy scarves and sitting in the cinema with like a a nice latte and some hummus and carrot sticks going, oh yes, this this is genius. 
this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. A24 has done it again. Do you like my critic voice? <laughs> that's that, yeah, that's your, your Peter Bradshaw <laughs> voice. Peter Bradshaw voice, exactly. <laughs> oh, yes, this is a, a wonderful piece of cinema. Cinematic masterpiece. Life I've got no after idea how he death. actually talks. Yeah, I've never heard him, but now I refuse to believe it's anything other than that. No, no, no I don't no, ever want perfected... to. It couldn't ever be as good <laughs> as that perfected impression you Peter just did. Bradshaw. Um, so trivia around this basically all the trivia is just that there's references to parks and recreation so you've got Nick Offerman doing some narration you've got a reference to her talking on the phone with Andy which is of course the name of Christopher Pratt in parks and recreation Um, there's a photograph of Mm -hmm. her which is clearly her character from parks and recreation as well and apparently the mailman was also in Parks and Rec too. Um, He's one, is of, he one the of the main guys. guys. Well, there we go. Yeah, and a very, very funny character. Um, and yeah, there's just lots of stuff like that. It's just like, okay, I get these I get these references probably meant something to somebody, but I do not care. So I didn't realise that um, it was written and directed by Jeff Biner. Um, she's been in a relationship with him since 2011 and he had the kind of had the idea from the film and then it was kind of shelved and then she came across the script and was like, I want to do this. So that's cool. Oh, that's cool. I did not realise that. Um, he, of course, did um, I Heart Huckabees, which I don't think I've ever seen. I've never seen I hear, either. I hear good things about. I've, I've never seen that, but apparently people seem to like it. He did Horse Girl. Which also apparently yeah. is quite good. I've not seen any of um, his other films, I realise, looking at this. Horse Girl is something I meant to watch when it came out, but never got round to. It was a Netflix movie. Um, but yeah, um, meant to be good. A sort of um, psychological film about... Um, I think she's like... She thinks she's got some kind of supernatural power and tries to use it to solve issues that are going on around her in her life. But it's not as quaint as that i think it's more sort of serious right because <laughs> that's all that sounds almost like hijinks are about to ensue um but and you're gonna get like a you're wondering how i got here kind of moment <laughs> um, but no i think it's more serious than that um and again i think that's got molly shannon in it as well so i think he, maybe he re- likes reusing the same people um but but it's got alison brie who's in another um, who's brilliant another sitcom that i've I'm not going to say I've never watched, but I barely watched. I watched the first series of Community and thought it yeah. was pretty good. I saw the first two or three, maybe, and then I think it kind of started. It tailed off, but it was it was generally good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and she she's in that and all sorts of other things. Um, so yeah, uh, need I need to go and watch that actually, particularly given that I've enjoyed this. I think that might be quite good. Yeah, seems like he's got a lot of good things good things going for him. Yes, yeah, absolutely. As I say, after graduating NYU Film School, Biner moved to Los Angeles to start building his career. He became a production assistant for Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> Which Robert Zemeckis movies did he work on? That's what well, we need to know. Let's see, so I Heart Huckabees was 2004. Let's see, he's born in 77. So he'd have graduated film school in 2000, let's say. So this is probably yeah, like CGI beginning CGI madness, Zemeckis. So is so is is Jeff Biner responsible for the horrors that are Robert Zemeckis's CGI movies? Is I really the hope the he idea in Beowulf. his head. I will slay you, monster. 
Be- Beowulf might have been a bit too late, but Polar Express maybe? Potentially. That is a horrifying film based on an amazing <laughs> book that they ruined, which my son loves. It's such a good book. Uh, I've never read the book. It's nice. And I've never finished the film because it's too creepy. It's awful. It's <laughs> horrendous. It's genuinely too creepy to watch. Um, I genuinely, yeah, yeah, would rather watch any horror film than watch the Polar Express <laughs> Yeah, what what would be more scary to wake up in the middle of night of the night and see staring at you from the corner of the room like an alien or Tom Hanks in Polar Express? Oh, I'd take the alien any 100%, day. 100% I'd take the xenomorph any day of the week. Yeah, I'd rather have an alien burst out of my stomach than have to watch the Polar <laughs> Express. <laughs> That's a quote they should put on their DVD case. Yeah. Famously. Famously, we cry. all... Famously, when they released DVDs in the year of our Lord, 2023. Hey, the the children's DVD market is huge. <laughs> Do DVDs instead of Blu-rays? Are we still on DVDs? Oh, good point. Yeah, maybe it's Blu-rays now. Might be Blu-rays. The kids like them because you can use them as Frisbees. Oh, there we go. There we go. Used to be useful when you got those free CDs through the post for like... Here's an AOL free subscription for oh, a month. Yeah. Here's how to get on the internet using a CD. And also you need a <laughs> modem and a router and a bunch of other bullshit. It was Man, a wild I... time back in the days when Robert Zemeckis was making these films. <laughs> back in my day, uh, we, we you couldn't use the phone and go on the internet at the same time. you pick up the phone, right? And it'd be going... And that was just the I trailer genuine... for Robert Zemeckis' Beowulf. <laughs> I genuinely cannot wait until I can annoy young people with those kind of stories. Yeah. It's going to be unreal. Cannot wait for that. Yeah. Eric's quite interested in the stuff that, like, if I talk about how what stuff was like when I was a boy, sometimes he asks me questions. He's like, when you were a boy, did you have this? Because I sometimes say stuff like, oh, we didn't have phones when I was a boy. We didn't have, a have like, a big TV with all the channels on it and stuff. <laughs> or, like... But then he's he's very happy that we did have Pokemon. So that's something. Ah, uh, there we go. He'd be very sad if Pokemon hadn't been around. He'd feel sorry for us. Yeah. But then I can... What's great about the fact that he's interested in Pokemon is that his whole life I can be like, you weren't there at the beginning, man. You don't know what it was like. You don't know how good it was. <laughs> you don't remember when bug types used to be super effective against poison types back in Generation 1 before they fixed it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm all the way for that. I can I can share cursed knowledge like that with your kid. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Cursed knowledge. Te- teach him about how Pokemon has evolved over the years. That's what he needs to learn instead of all that stuff they're teaching him at school. Yeah, like how to write he- different <laughs> words and stuff. How to read he needs books. To know- he needs to know about when they split physical and special attacks back in Generation Four. That's what he needs to learn about. He needs to know these really important facts of life. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, have you got anything else you want to say about life after death? I don't think so. No, I, I highly recommend it. And it's a good sort of early spooky month film, isn't it? Because it's not like a massive horrifying thing that's going to give you nightmares. It's 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 somewhat goofy. It's somewhat serious. It makes, you know, clever points about parenting and relationships and loss and stuff. But it's a, it's, it's a good watch. I enjoyed it. Yes, ditto. It's a thoroughly pleasant movie about zombies who eat people thoroughly pleasant uh, what, movie about a zombie apocalypse 
Yeah, it's more pleasant than um, um, what's it called? Warm bodies. Warm bodies is very apocalyptic and bleak. Yeah, that that it's the opposite of that in many ways, isn't it? Even though it's yeah. even though it's doing essentially the same thing, which is girlfriend slash boyfriend is dead. That essentially like really really goes for the apocalyptic backdrop, doesn't it? Yeah, whereas this is and it's good in a different um, way. Yeah, this is yeah. This one's got more of a sort of um, human element, I suppose. Yeah, it's both films I didn't think about. I would like and was pleasantly surprised by. Well, I didn't think I'd dislike this, but you know, I, I got the wrong impression about it from the silly poster, which I have found and yeah. is bad. I will send it to you. <laughs> the po- the poster is 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 not great. Yeah. Um, so you how know the one gonna, I mean? How are we going to red? And she's got like a red. Yeah, and on she's it. got yeah. a silly a silly face on. Yeah. Um, so like uh, how are we going to how how are we going to how are we going to rate this? Let's see. How long did it take for your girlfriend to come back from the dead? How many days? So out of twenty days, then it would be fourteen days, two weeks, a fortnight before zombie girlfriend came back. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. Fab, That's a good fantastic. one. So, you've got a choice of what we'd like to do next. Do you want Cannibal Road Trip? Do you want Cannibal Road Vampire trip. Love? Or do you want um, vet, vet with a Crush? <laughs> Let's do Vampire Love. Vampire Love. Okay, excellent. In which case, we're going to be watching A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Oh yes, I've heard good things about this. Yes, yeah. I've I've also never seen this before. I've been meaning to watch it since it came out, and never have. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, looking forward to watching this one. Oh, and this came out the same year as well, twenty fourteen. There we go. Oh, oh, we should find all movies from twenty fourteen. Promoted as the first no, I, Iranian I like vampire western. This looks awesome. <laughs> it's supposed to be really good. It looks amazing. Um. So uh, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to seeing this one. Nice. Good choice. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. And um, thanks for sticking with us for over 300 episodes now. We hope you enjoy, enjoyed or enjoy Life After Beth. Do go and watch it. Um, you can find us on Twitter or X, as it's called. Um, no, Big Boys Den Pod. <laughs> Have you noticed that in all the media outlets, they always put it as Twitter slash X now because no one's going to call it X. Anyway, yeah, well, I've, I've noticed hardly anyone putting the X even. Yeah, and, and a lot of the widgets on websites aren't updated to the new X logo. It's still the Twitter logo. It's just, it's not going to happen, mate. You can find us on that silly stop, website. Stop trying to make X happen. Yeah, you can email us bigboys.crypod at gmail.com. Um, if you want to tell us about what you're watching this spooky month, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we'll be back next week to talk about Vampire Love. Oh, a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. That's the <laughs> Vampire Love. That would be a good name for a film. That would be a good name for a film. But yeah, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. All right. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye.